Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, April 14th. We are here live. We're going to open the phone lines right now. It is a free-for-all. We're only doing an hour today, so you better get your questions in quickly. Uh, I decided just to do a general free-for-all today. I need to start getting ready to head back home. I've been on the road way too long. Uh, waiting for some parts to come in tomorrow. We'll wrap some things up. So tomorrow will be a uh, a one-hour show as well. I think we will just be doing... Um, <clears throat> we might be doing another trucking technology and efficiency. I talked with John yesterday. I think he can do it. I'll reach out to Joel, uh, but it's only going to be an hour. i got to get some things done, get on the road, and start heading back west. I am going to take a minor detour and head a little southeast first. I'm only about uh, five hours from Polyface Farms, and uh been working with Joel Salatin for several years now. We've had him on the show several times. We've even uh, worked on a couple project ideas, but I've never met him, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to head down that way and spend uh, some time at Polyface Farms, which will also give me a great opportunity to restock. I ran out of most of my uh, high-quality meat. I could use a restock, and that'll be a great opportunity to do that. Uh, Polyface Farms, I know we've had lots of people visit in uh, in their truck as well, so there seems to be room down there for that. A uh, couple things while we're waiting for phone calls. If you want to join us, I would jump in right now. It's probably going to go quick. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. Anything goes. Uh, you can also post questions on uh, either one of the websites, and I'll keep an eye open for those, healthytribe.com or truckingtribe.com. In fact, I have a question uh, from healthytribe.com that I'll get started on. Um, so here it is. Here's the question. I discovered this liver flushing detox group on Facebook. It involves a ton of apple juice and some other stuff. I'll post the instructions in the comment too long for here. Uh, it seems people are flushing out actual things from their bodies, like rolled up tomato skins and parasites. I have admittedly done some damage to my body through excessive alcohol intake, and I'm taking a long hiatus. I feel like fasting should be enough, but this seems super next level and potentially not good. Just wanted to get your thoughts. Okay, first off, let's talk about just detox in general. This is another one of those... Uh, Oh, kind of buzzwords, and you see a lot of practitioners and a lot of challenges going on around detox, and I'm just not a big fan of this. I, I've seen some of these that really aren't healthy, and anything that involves a ton of apple juice, not a good idea. I mean, we're just overloading your body with sugar. Um, I don't care whether it's natural sugar or not. Sugar sugar, and apple juice is a boatload of sugar with nothing else. Um, I'll look through the other instructions here real quick and see what I see. Um, oh, one of the first things that uh, that bothers me is the 
It says, ridding the liver and gallbladder of gallstones is one of the most important and powerful approaches you can take to improve your health. Now, that's just not true. Uh, in fact, most people shouldn't have gallstones. But it, it's clearly not the most important uh, or powerful approach you can do. Um, this claims that it takes six days of preparation followed by 16 to 20 hours of actual cleansing. We're using uh, a liter a day of apple juice for six days. Really, really bad idea. Uh, some Epsom salts, which is basically just magnesium, extra virgin olive oil, fresh grapefruit juice. Um, the grapefruit juice, yeah, there's some evidence that you know citric acids will dissolve we we have a protocol that we use it would not involve six days of lots and lots of apple juice um what else are they doing in here uh there's a lot of instructions they make it sound really complicated i'm just i'm not a fan of this um detox in general, our body has seven detox pathways. Our body is really, really efficient at detoxing. And the best way to detox, I believe, is just have a good, clean, paleo-based diet and allow the body to detox itself over time. We don't need to rush this. In fact, many detoxes lead to more problems than they solve. You try to detox the body too fast, um, you can end up, we've, we've seen a lot of skin conditions result from trying to detox too fast and, and some pretty painful, uncomfortable conditions. We've seen all kinds of uh, digestive issues when you try to detox too fast. So my advice, really good, clean diet, and yes, fasting is another good way. Take all that stress off your body's uh, digestive system and then it can go focus on um, detox. Lots of foods that support the liver, gallbladder, pancreas, all of those things. So um, again, detox is not a one-size-fits-all. That's the problem I have with these published, oh, here's how we do it. I, it's it's just not a good approach to this. There are some protocols that we do publish for lots of things and say, look, here, you can do this on your own. Here's some clear instructions. So we're not against that, but not in the, in the case of detox. Um, let's let the body do it on its own. If after 30 to 60 days of a good clean diet, there's still evidence that maybe you haven't detoxed, um, then we could look at a protocol, but I would I would do it with a practitioner. Most of the time, we find it's just not necessary to do a specific detox. Uh, we do have some supplements designed around detoxing that it's not any real big deal. You just you can add some supplements in that do help clear the body's pathways. And it's not drastic or drinking liters of basically sugar water. It's just a really bad idea to me. Now, this idea of people flushing physical stuff out of their body, where, where is it exiting would be one question. Like, if you've got parasites 
coming out, we had bigger issues that we need to deal with that this detox is not going to help. Uh, so I, I can't really speak to whether that's happening or occurring or not, but if it is, I'm not all that sure it's a good idea or if we should have been detoxing this way if we have those kinds of issues. Um, so that's my take on that. Good, clean diet. We could add some supplements if we really want to kind of help the body along gently to detox. I'm not a fan of going in on these hardcore flushes and detox based on things we're reading on social media. Uh, that's just my take on that. The While we're on uh, the topic of health here, uh, getting started, let me see if we have any calls. No calls coming in yet. Jump in and join us or... Uh, this hour is going to fly by, and you'll all be calling with 15 minutes left, and I won't be able to get to you today. We are cutting off at an hour today, so jump in and join us. It is a free-for-all. I'm starting with some uh, health issues here, but I've got some trucking stuff I might talk about as well. But uh, really, the show's all about you. 855-950-3835. Jump in and join us. Pick up the phone and call me if you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes. Uh, I posted several things this morning on both Healthy Tribe and Trucking Tribe, so I'll go over those now, and uh, I'll look for any questions you may have as well. Uh, On Healthy Tribe this morning, I posted about my new favorite cooking appliance now that I'm on the road. And it is my Ninja Foodie. I've had one for a couple of years. I use it at home. I've posted some recipes in the past that I you know, did at home but said this would be easy to do in the truck. Now it's, it's even more of a real-world test for me doing it while I'm on the road. Here's kind of what I've settled on. You know, I, I will say over and over and over, my favorite way of eating on the road can your own meat and your own recipes at home. Can chilies, can stews, can soups, can ground beef, sausage, beef, pork, chicken, turkey, duck, whatever you want to can. Can it all at home. It um, it really does make really good eating on the road, super convenient. It's already cooked. Just heat it up and eat it. Throw a little fermented vegetable on top as a condiment like kimchi or sauerkraut. I also talked about the other hack that I kind of came up with on the road here that I really like, taking a little bit of either your homemade mayo or a good quality mayo like Primal Kitchen. I really like their chipotle lime. And mix it in with your cabbage and kimchi kind of fermented um items and you end up with almost like a creamy kind of slaw that goes excellent on top of those long cooked meats. So I was eating a lot of that in the very beginning and when I was traveling, you know, doing the show, driving six to eight more hours a day, trying to keep up with emails and work, that was a great way of eating. So fast, so easy, so convenient, almost no cleanup. The last couple of weeks, I've been more stationary, moving around here and there, but in the same place for a couple days. I feel like I've been at Pittsburgh Power for about two weeks now. Uh, It's been a great time, by the way. 
I've been using the Ninja Foodie a lot, and here's the pattern I've kind of fallen into, and I really like it. I, I'm back to getting up nice and early between 4.30 and 5.30 most mornings. Uh, gives me plenty of time to get caught up on some reading and some research and news. And I still have plenty of time to cook. So in the morning, I'm cooking my protein for the whole day. And I'm using the Ninja mostly on air fry. That setting works really well for proteins. Now, if you want to do things like steaks or chops in the air fryer, make sure you get really thick cuts. Like pork chops get double bone. Pork chops are about three to four inches thick. Now, if you get them cut right at your butcher, there's also a couple uh, really good high-quality sites I order pork from. I've talked about it before, Heritage Foods. Uh, I think it's heritagefoods.com. They have some really, really nice, big, thick cuts, double-cut pork chops, you know, three- to four-inch ribeyes. Those work really well on the air fry setting. You can put a beautiful crust on the outside and keep them nice and even rare, the way I like them inside, or cook them a little longer if you want. And... Today, I did two Cornish game hens, and I love game hens. They have so much more flavor than chicken. It's kind of cool getting your own little bird, two of them today. That'll be my protein for the day. So here's how easy it was. Two Cornish game hens, rub them down with avocado oil. I season mine with garlic salt and a blend of chilies I have, and that's it. Put them in the Ninja on air fry 20 minutes breast side down, 10 minutes breast side up. They're crispy skinned, golden brown, and just amazingly tender and moist. Now I've got my protein for the day. Throw in some fermented vegetables, and I am all set for food today with very little fuss and even very little cleanup. So uh, we can talk about cooking today. We can talk about trucks, fuel mileage. Uh, I do have some issues I wanted to go over, uh, but the calls are starting to come in, and I did say I would get to your calls, so we're going to do that right now. We're going to get started in Dallas. Steve, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you? How's the world traveler doing? Oh, boy. I'm, uh, I feel like a homeless gypsy sometimes these days, but uh, I... <laughs> I, I'm enjoying it. I've got to spend a lot of time with uh, Bruce and Debbie. Been over, went over their house last night for dinner and had some great, uh, great conversation. And I've got to hang out here at Pittsburgh Power and meet everybody here. Some of the people I haven't met before, some I've known for years. Uh, it's just been, it's been kind of relaxing here, just hanging out. And usually every night, um, some of the mechanics go home at three thirty because they start early. Uh, once they leave, I usually take over a bay, and it's allowed me to crawl all over the coach and get some things worked on and fixed. Uh, finally got my front end completely dialed in, new shocks, got my ride height all figured out, and I took it out yesterday, and it rides like new. So uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm, gonna, That's awesome. I'm looking forward to visiting Polyface Farms and meeting Joel finally, and then it's time for me to get home. I am missing the West Coast. Yeah, that was fun, though. You've been, what, it's been a month, a little over a month, something like that? God, I don't know. It might even be like six weeks now. I think I might be going on six weeks. Wow. Yeah. So a, 
couple of things that you had talked about, you know, a couple of weeks back, and they are definitely coming true. Fuel prices are through the roof, and rates have definitely dropped. It is absolutely crazy. I do a, a Dallas to Shreveport run, easy twelve hundred bucks, easy run. You won't get over nine hundred dollars for it now. It's just, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. You know, and you I said it would come. Uh, yeah, you, you did say it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it wasn't me. I follow some good analysts, Noel Perry and some other people. I watch the numbers on freight waves. Uh, it, it was just a matter of kind of interpreting the numbers. You know, Noel Perry started talking about this back in 2017. Uh, I talked about it after I right. was with him at a conference. And, you know, this is kind of the, the hard part about predicting. You know something's coming, but it's really, really tough to figure out exactly when, especially when you, you know, in the middle of when you think it's going to occur, you get a new administration that just starts throwing trillions of dollars at the economy. You know, we have artificially kept this economy going over the last two years because of all the government money, all the stimulus, all the unemployment, all the PPP loans, all the... uh, whatever the hell that other loan where they were giving owner-operators $100,000 with 30 years to pay it back and low interest, uh, that that put us in a really bad place financially. I know it seemed like a party, um, but we all know what happens when you party too hard. There's a hangover coming afterwards. Yep, you crash. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what we're looking at now. I think we're going to start feeling, I think we're already starting to feel the hangover. High prices are killing everybody. Um, shortages, yep. it, it's all I hear about anymore. Every business owner I talk to, yesterday I sat through a, a meeting here at, at Pittsburgh Power, a staff meeting with everybody in it, and almost the entire time was talked about we can't get this part. We're looking at July or August before we can get this part. Uh, Rebuild kits are hard to come by. Uh, Parts in general, hard to come by. And then there seems to be a colossal shortage of people. Where the hell did they all go? And they're still enjoying that free money. Man, I can't imagine how. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. If you know most Americans have almost no savings, most younger Americans, and that seems to be the workers were that are AOL, a- AWOL, not AOL, they're AWOL, um, you know, they didn't have a lot of cash sitting around. They typically live paycheck to paycheck. When they were getting more money, you know, in unemployment than they were working, it made sense that they didn't go to work. But now I'm wondering, how are they living? Did they all move back in with their parents or, you know, are they all running Uber Eats? They're they're certainly not out there in traditional jobs because the, the number two complaint after supply chain shortages, just plain people shortages, just can't get enough workers to do anything. Um, The only reason I've been here for two weeks is because for the last two weeks, I've been struggling to try to get parts to finish up the projects I want to do before I get back out on the road again. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it is definitely, it's definitely hard to find, find things. Um, Well, and here's, I heard this morning, I'm sure you, Here's another example of, and and I know this comes down to shortages of people because people are overworked. The the ones who are working are 
just about being abused because as a business owner, you almost don't have any choice. you got to get the work done. The people who show up have to do more work than ever, and they're making mistakes. Um, one of the parts I needed, Aaron found it for me. Um, I said, whatever it costs, I don't care, overnight it. i got to get it here. So he went to overnight it, spent over $100 for priority overnight, and they managed to put a three-day sticker on it so it won't be here till tomorrow now. Uh, oh, my it, it, gosh. It, just, just that kind of stuff. It, the part was there. We were willing to pay the money to get it here on time, and yet you still can't get it because somebody made a simple mistake, and I, I would venture to say it's because they're probably overworked. And they don't pay attention. They're just, right. I don't know. It's almost like it's almost like uh, an assembly line with no oversight. It happens. It's crazy. What did you think about uh, the Elon Musk and the $43 billion for Twitter? Oh, yeah. What's your, was, thought, that, what's your thoughts on that? That was on my notes that uh, I wanted to talk about today. I think it is absolutely awesome. And this is interesting Me to too. watch. Um, this gets a little complicated with SEC rules and and some other things. It, you know, it seems to me like, you know, if anything else in the world, if you go in and offer more than it's worth, and especially with stock, you're allowed to buy stock, but we have crazy rules about how much you can buy. And but I, I looked at the rules; they get fairly complicated. I, I'm not going to try to go through them all here. But I don't know if Twitter's going to have a way to avoid this. It doesn't look like they will be able to. They're going to have to. What do you mean? Or, well. They could say no. They could say no to the deal. They technically can't. They would have to mount some other sort of offer and sell the company to somebody else. I don't think they're going to be allowed to just say no. And again, oh, because it, it is a public company right now. Correct. Right. This is not a private company. Yeah, he wants to make it private. He he wants to make it private. Well, he I don't, doesn't want it public anymore once he buys it. I don't know if he'll do that or not. Um, he, now he talked. He he got himself in a lot of hot water once because he tweeted he was going to do that with Tesla, and it, it's not that easy. Again, we have a lot of weird rules around with the SEC around stock and and ownership and be, just because he tweeted that he was thinking about taking Tesla private, he ended up in court over that. It, it's a weird. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a weird bunch of rules. So I, I don't. I didn't see anywhere that he wanted to take Twitter uh, private. I'm not saying it. He he didn't say that. I just didn't see it. Um, but the first step is. Can Twitter come up with some creative way of stopping or blocking this, or can they come up with somebody else to buy it so they can keep it out of his hands? Uh, I don't know. It's going to get interesting. If he buys it, I think it will be incredible. I can't imagine what will happen at the company if he does. How many people are going to get fired? Who's going to quit? What kind of changes are they going to make? But it's certainly interesting to sit back and watch. Yeah, I would think he would bring in bring in his his own people, wouldn't you? Honestly, oh I mean, yeah, he's got to have something already in the works. I, I think so. And you know, if you look at their, I mean, their current CEO has absolutely said 
they believe it's their job to regulate speech on their platform. He does not believe in free speech on that platform, and Elon Musk clearly does. Correct. So I can't imagine most of the management team would even want to stick around if he allowed them to. Yeah, it was going to be an interesting, uh, going to be interesting next forty-eight hours for sure. Yeah, it is. It's kind of crazy that we uh, we have people with with so much money they can just offer. He's offering like a thirty-eight percent premium on where the stock was when he first bought his initial shares. He's offering about thirty-eight yeah, percent more. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, they were saying this morning that it was uh, the last round of uh, it was a the the amount it was worth was like 37 or 33.4 billion and he come right in at 43 billion like with just right out of the top of the right out of the sky just said here i'll give you this part yeah so but i'm gonna give you this part of the problem here is is they're not allowed to reject that offer because it punishes the shareholders that, and that's a public company, so you have to take into account your shareholders. That is their job to make sure that the shareholders don't get screwed. And when you have an offer that is so much higher than the value of the company, if the company tries to stop it or say no, the shareholders could sue them. Uh, yeah, I guess it does get pretty complicated. It, it does. Yeah, it's interesting to follow that. <laughs> and. And that is definitely some serious money, for sure. It is. It is. It's crazy that we're even talking about yeah. that kind of money just to buy a company that doesn't produce anything. Isn't that weird? All they do... No, but he wants everything... Yeah, but he wants us to get public again. He wants people to have free speech. Absolutely. you got to give them props for that. Abs- I mean, absolutely. It's and, and, going to be awesome if it works. Yeah, his point is Twitter has become the... Uh, not just the country, but the world's town square. It's where we share ideas and we all communicate. And if that's the case, in my opinion, it should be a free and open forum. Um, but I also, I, I have always supported the right of any company to make their own rules. This isn't a First Amendment issue. First Amendment applies to the government. It doesn't apply to private businesses. So as much as I don't like this, I, I say that's our rules. That's how capitalism works. It's their company. They're allowed to do whatever the hell they want, as long as they're not breaking any laws. And deciding what content goes up and not doesn't break any laws, not for a private company. So I, I like this solution. I don't want the government to go in and try to change this. Not that they will, because I think the government actually likes it. Um I love the fact that we have people this powerful enough and with enough money they can go in and fix something like this. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see the next couple of days for sure. Should be interesting. Well, good luck on your journey home, safe travels, and we'll talk again soon. Have a great day, Kevin. All right, great talking to you. Let's go to Montana. Francis, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I don't know if you were, if you remember, we spoke last week about my horrible nutri Yes, I do. Uh, after I spoke to you, I started um, carnivore-ish. Okay. Besides from the coffee, coffee in the morning. Uh, I just wanted to give you an update. I feel uh, way better. I don't have access to a scale, but I've probably lost 10 to 15 pounds 
Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm very sensitive to water retention, so that's probably mostly water weight, but uh, yeah, my energy it, levels are way better. My joint pains went down maybe like 80%. Excellent. Excellent. So far, I'm, I think I'm doing good. It sounds like you're doing I fantastic. I had a few digestive issues in the first few days, but it seems to have resolved itself by taking apple cider vinegar every morning. Good, good. I like those uh, nice, simple fixes. When I when I get back home, I want to get on the yogurt thing. I ordered all the, the strains. Which one should I start with? Oh, uh, let's see. Did you look through the the strains for the description of what each one does? Yeah, I started some quick training session every other day. Okay. So, so I was thinking maybe the Elrotari or uh, the other one that uh, uh, improves muscle recovery. Yep. So I would, I, since, you're, I a- since you're kind of focused on working out and some strength training, I think that's an excellent way to get started. So I would do the same two that I'm focusing on. Uh, make a batch of Elrotari, make a batch of the Barbarian, and then when the batches are done, you can mix them together, and then that becomes your daily yogurt. I think that would be a great start. Okay, how much should I take? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I think the amount that Dr. Davis recommends, like a quarter to a half cup a day maybe, that's what they've worked out. You need that much to get the benefits. Somebody asked me yesterday what would happen if they ate a quart a day, and I can't imagine eating a quart of yogurt every day, but he said he loves the stuff so much, and he's wondering if that would hurt him. I, I, I kind of doubt it. But I don't know. We're in new territory here. So I tell people, try it. You know, if you, if, if you really like it and you feel like eating a cup a day, eat a cup a day. If you're eating two cups a day, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Yeah, my new worries is in my case, the carb count is probably pretty much important. Uh, it it might be, but it also depends if you're eating fairly strict carnivore-ish even, and then we're throwing in the fermented foods, maybe some fermented vegetables and in the yogurt, you're still not going to be anywhere near um, what we would consider a high-carb diet. It would still be a very, very low-carb diet. So I, I would just play around with the amounts. I would at least eat a quarter of a cup a day. Half a cup's probably better. But if you find you want to eat more, give it a try and see what happens. Okay. I already started the fermented vegetables. I have, like, fermented pickles and kimchi. And Excellent. Excellent. It's store-bought, but it seems to be, it seems to be clean. The- uh, I have one last question. Uh, yeah, let me address the the uh, store bought fermented vegetables. There, I, I've looked at dozens of brands from around the country. In this part of the world where I grew up, there's a company called Cleveland Kraut. Um, they make some excellent stuff. Uh, back where I am in Oregon, there's tons of local companies that you wouldn't find anywhere outside of Oregon. Probably uh, some of the big national brands, Wild Brine, we talked about yesterday. Here's the thing. Every single brand I've looked at is is just as good as what you would make at home. 
I, maybe with the exception of if you're doing your own gardening and you're fermenting your own vegetables, obviously that's going to be the best quality, the highest nutrition. But there is, I have not seen a single brand of fermented vegetables in a store that I wouldn't eat. It, the fact that they're fermented means there's not going to be junk and, and other stuff in there. They're, they're basically going to be vegetables, water, salt, and some flavorings because that's what it takes to make fermented food. So the good news is we, we're seeing all these brands pop up, and I've been in some you know fairly small, not high-end grocery stores, and I'm still finding fermented vegetables in them. That's what I have, Wild Brian and Bubbies. Oh, Wild Brian and Bubbies, those are probably the two biggest national brands, and they're super quality. Absolutely good stuff. Okay. Uh, do we need light for fermenting? Because I tried at home a couple of times and my jars are like tinted glass and it doesn't seem to work. No, you I don't. I can't wait to peek and you, it doesn't go bad, but it doesn't seem to ferment either. You don't need... Um uh, light, so that's not the issue. So what can happen is the salt in there will kind of preserve the food. The salt keeps the bad bacteria out. But you're right, sometimes they just won't ferment. You end up with just salty vegetables at the end, and they're not really fermenting. Where did you get your water from? I was bottled spring water, hmm. and I used the Himalayan pink salt. And you did two tablespoons to a quart of water? Yep. Did you wash the vegetables? Nope. Okay. Boy, you've done everything right. Now, the couple things that can screw up fermentation. I might try it again. Yeah, I would try it again because I'm not really sure what might have gone wrong here. The couple things that can screw it up, if you wash the vegetables too much, you're washing off all the bacteria. Um, we need to get the stuff started. So you don't want to do that. If you're using tap water that's been chlorinated, and a lot of municipalities chlorinate their water, some chlorinate it pretty heavily, um, that will stop or slow down fermentation. So those are usually the two big ones. Other than that, it, it usually works. If first, you may want to try an experiment too. Um, if you're making the yogurt, you're going to have tons of whey left over the liquid. If you're not making yogurt yet, go to the store and buy a good, clean, plain yogurt. When you open it up, there should be a little bit of whey there. Uh, if not, throw it in a cheesecloth and let it sit for a couple hours, and you should be able to get some whey out of it. Stir a little bit of whey into your ferment. That's kind of a starter. And maybe we just need to kickstart it a little bit. Okay. And uh, what's your take on the blood pudding? Oh, I think it's awesome. Um, most cultures have some sort of a dish like this. I know it freaks people out. Um blood pudding. I mean, I, there's a lot of nutrients in the blood. I mean, think about it. That's how our bodies move nutrients around uh, is through our bloodstream. So, the you know, we've talked about certain tribes, the Maasai uh, in Africa. They're, they're basically 
herders, but they're nomadic. So they, they do herd their own cattle, but they, they move constantly based on the seasons. So they're kind of hunter-gatherers with the you know some herding involved. But their diet is really, really high in both milk, because they do herd cows, and blood. For some reason, they consume a lot of blood in their diet as well. And dishes like blood pudding, blood sausage... I think they're awesome. That, that's all part of eating the animal nose to tail, which we should be doing more of. Okay. And do I have time for a quick question about my daughter? Sure. She was diagnosed with, a, I think it's called mononucleosis, something uh, like that. Yep. Yep. Mononucleosis. Used to be really, we used to hear a lot about mono when I was a kid. They don't hear as much about it now. Um, they actually called it the kissing disease. Teenagers tended to get it a lot from, you know, kissing too often. So mono was kind of known as that. Uh, it actually is caused by a um, virus uh, that can kind of hang out in the body. She'll probably have that virus forever now, and it can cause um, other things later on in life. So they've tied things like chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, the, the virus that causes mono is called Epstein-Barr virus, EBV. It is um, a very, very common virus that most of us have in our body. I know I do. You can go back and look at, you know, old blood tests you've done or other tests, and, and you may see that you have the virus, too. I think I've read, oh, I don't know, like 70 or 80% of the people in the country probably have the, uh, the EB virus. And sometimes it doesn't cause anything. I've never I know, had... I know I, I do, but... I've never had mono in my life, but I, I do have the EB virus. I know I do. Yeah, I had it when I was a kid, and I had a bad relapse maybe 10 years ago. I spent like four or five days in the hospital because of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, like I say, it's mostly... Is there, is there anything I can do to help her? Because right now she's, she sleeps like 20 hours a day, and she's she's a mess. Well, tell me about her diet. She started cleaning it at the same time I did after you scared me on the show. Okay, good. So just been a couple weeks, though, right? If that. Yeah, uh, maybe 10, ten eight, days. nine days. Yeah, that's the best thing she could do. She, she I, wasn't a rebel before that, but she cleaned it up. Okay. I'm that, that, the that, medical system won't do much for her anyway, so. No, they won't. That that Because they don't know what to do. There, there aren't really any drugs that help this. And if they don't have a drug to help something, they're kind of lost. I mean, that's the model they know. You have these symptoms, we have this drug. You have this disease, we have this drug. You have this diagnosis, we have this drug. But it's not a drug, it's a surgery or a procedure. That's all they know, and they don't know what to do with this. When it does turn into chronic fatigue syndrome, then they start blaming the patient. Oh, this isn't real, it's all in your head, that kind of thing. It's clearly real. Um, cleaning up the diet is first. Uh, she could also work with us on a one-on-one, -on -one and we could probably help her with a supplement package. This is one of those that we probably would put some supplements together right away because we know there are some things that we could target that would help this a lot. Okay. 
So I should have her file a cylinder QQ before. Yep. I'm going to have to talk on her behalf, but because she only speaks French and she's like 11, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that would be fine. We could work with you together on the one-on-one with her. Um, and she could start with a discovery call. That's free. Do the Nutri-Q and a discovery call, and we could give her some ideas just from that alone. That would help her a lot. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for your help. Thanks for the call. Let's go to BC. Murray, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well, you uh, mentioned rates, and it got me thinking a little bit. So we, we we are a free economy, sort of. We claim to be. <laughs> right. Um, we can't get people. We have shortages everywhere. And yet the rates are dropping. How does that work? Explain that. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting <laughs> time. Um, and, you know, I, I wish I would have been paying more attention or I wish I would have known more back in 80, 81, 82 when we went through this. I was just getting out of high school. I graduated in 81. Um, so I remember it well, but I don't remember the details. So I've had to go back and kind of research it and study it. And we're, we have some similarities going on right now. There are multiple things happening at once. The shortages in the inflation are, you know, creating an imbalance of supply and demand in a lot of things. But at the very same time, people are stopping buying. And it's hard to catch up with the numbers right now. You know, we're in this cycle where three months from now, we'll be able to look back at the numbers that are happening right now and maybe make some sense of them. But we're always on a delay to to know. And when things start moving as fast as they are right now, oil went through the roof in in a month, just just shot up like crazy. Um, Unemployment went way down to nothing. We can't find enough people to work, which you would think would be a good thing. We always talk about low unemployment numbers being such a great thing. But all of these numbers are happening in extremes and they're happening so fast that it's hard to get our head around it. But interest yeah. rates going up, businesses stop borrowing. Businesses stop borrowing, they start they stop doing any kind of new projects because they don't have the money and they're nervous. Consumers who are spending all of their money on food and gas to get back and forth to work to make more money stop buying all the extras. And it, we're just now starting to see that happen and the economy is going to slow down. Now, I, I read an interesting article in, in Freight Waves this morning. Two different analysts said that we're really only seeing the drop in spot market rates because the last two years we have set records for new authority in trucking. So most of those authorities are single truck. They go chase the rates in the spot market. That, that's what they do. We talk about it all the time. The contract rates are not coming down. The contract carriers are still saying that there's still shortages. There, there's not enough trucks to move all the contract rate that's already been contracted. So it's a really, really strange time. Then on top of that, fuel prices are going up again. I think uh, 15 cents was the Nasdaq report. Um, the 
uh, futures went up 40 some cents, I think. So we were probably going to see another round of fuel prices going up. And that keeps the rates artificially high. People don't understand you've got to separate out that fuel cost. And if you take out that fuel cost, the spot market rates are just tanking. And I think it's going to get worse. Yeah, but but there's still lots of freight. I mean, there's less freight than there was, but that, that's the just, key. It just seems so upside down. It, it is. It is. And it's a confusing time during this transition. Um, but it. it there is not as much freight as there was. It hasn't dropped enough that no, that's true. you're seeing it in all the lanes yet. But also remember, it, with all this new authority, um, that there's an awful lot of trucks chasing that freight now. And it doesn't take much well, yeah, of a drop we- to start uh, affecting people. And then on top of that, if it's costing you $1,000 to fill up your truck, these people who are running around that, that have no idea how to control their cost, um, hopefully they'll drop out quickly. And I know I, I hate to say that. I hate to I see anybody they, fail, but, you know, it, they need to. I think they will. They And, and they need I, to. I think they will. I, right. How can they? Like how how can they sustain it, right? Yeah, they you can, right. You know, you burn a candle at both ends. You can only burn it for half as long. Here's what I'm afraid of: is the 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 rates were so high, the government was handing out money like it was candy. That may allow a bunch of these small guys to keep going, even though they're they're not even very profitable anymore. And the problem with that is, the longer they keep going the more they'll pull the rates down with them. Yeah, and then we got to fight to get them back up. But then that we've only seen that go around 100 times in the last 40 years, right? Exactly. Um, if I had to, to guess like or try to, yeah, to try to predict, every time I've gone through this in my career in trucking, it's gotten worse. Like the one in the 90s we thought was horrible. Um, then we got hit at the one in the early 2000s. That one was really bad, we thought. And then 08 and 09, hell, we were almost starting to call those a depression. It got so bad. And this one looks like it's going to be even worse. Okay, so all of that said, that brings me to my next question. Uh, I was planning on, I'm working toward putting my own authorities together uh, again with the intention of flying my own flag and, and running my own game come January one. Okay. Now being in a few, in the fuel business, I'm kind of insulated from all this rate hike up and down. I could have gone and hauled lots of freight and made lots of money over the winter and last summer. But Norman, I kind of figure steady Eddie, you know, exactly. like you just yep. slow and steady wins the race. And yep. so even while I worked for less, I had steady money and, and it continues to be steady. So, would you, like, it does not going to cost me a lot to put my authorities together. If I put my authorities together, should I continue in that direction, or should I just park that idea and see what happens over the summer and fall? No, I, I don't, you know, I, it doesn't cost all that much to get your authority. There's still going to be plenty of good freight out there if you know what you're doing. You build some relationships with a couple good brokers that can keep you moving. and And then... Just really, really pay attention to all of the numbers, what's going on in the industry, what's going on with your own numbers, so that if things really start to turn negative, 
there's there's nothing to say you can't park your authority and go back to lease to somebody. That those opportunities will always be available for good owner operators. Well, I could come back to Holland Fuel. Uh, exactly. The general manager here is is terrified that I'm going to actually cut and run. Yeah, and and <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, you know, not you're not going to burn that bridge. You're going to say, "Hey, you know, I, I'm going to go try this." Um, you know, it, 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 but like I say, those opportunities are always going to be there. But you got to pay attention. You know, uh, too many times I've seen people make a big change like this, and then they're not paying attention, and they run it right into the ground, and they don't have time to adjust when things get bad. Okay, now. I was planning on doing open deck freight from the Vancouver lower lower BC area to Central California. The Central California rates tend to stay better than than the LA basin rates. Um, uh, is there anything you might? Because that's the most expensive corridor there is to run in. It and and right now, there, open deck is the strongest of the segments. Open deck right now is not getting hit as hard nearly as all the other segments are. And I can get steady freight going down because California is always buying lumber. Even in bad times, they're buying lumber. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the backhaul in coming back from central California. Is there anything you could suggest or recommend that would make that end easier? Cause that's, yeah. that's a tough one. Yeah. Here's what I recommend when you've got a nice, strong head haul but your backhaul might be weak or it might change. Again, it, it comes down to staying plugged in and staying involved. I would start looking on the load boards to put together a triangle or even a dumbbell. Well, you don't need a dumbbell because on your end you're nice and strong. Um, look to try to put together a triangle. If there isn't enough freight coming out of, oh, wait a minute, you can't, can you? Your Canadian carrier. Well, uh, well, I mean, yeah, I can I can triangle into Alberta, but from Central Cali into Alberta, it's not really strong either. Yeah, not it, with a flat deck with a reefer, I could run back all day long. Yeah, that that uh, that makes it a little more challenging. Um, you can try to look and see if you can find some other place in in uh, Canada that you could triangle back to. Um, other than that, you might just have to look at the numbers and say, even if it's weak coming out of there, can I still make this work? Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. I just was hoping maybe you'd have a suggestion that might, yeah, might be you, a ace in the hole. You know, if, if, I, uh, if I had any say in the government, which I don't, um, given the fact that supply chain shortages are threatening to take down the economy and they're increasing inflation, I've never even heard this talked about, but what if we put a moratorium on the fact that you can't haul within the U.S. and we let you for a while? Oh, my goodness. I, Norma and I would move to the U.S. in like less than a heartbeat, in a New York second. It will, but they won't have. Now, what, what the immigration if, department won't have a good, hard-working businessman. Oh no! I know we we've actually we actually tried to get Dale Howard to come to the United States and work for us, and and it's next to impossible. But I don't even mean that you need to oh, move. Yeah. What if we just take the rules on cabotage away for a while, temporary? It let Canadian carriers move yeah. some freight around in the U.S. before they go back if they want. Tell 
tons of freight from Central Cali back to back to the Ferndale Bellingham area. Yeah. I could I could load down and come back and and, and do well. Uh, uh, but yeah, they won't let us do that either. Right? That's what I mean. And I'm sure there are a bunch of uh, American, you know, U.S. carriers out there right now, owner operators screaming at the radio. What is he talking about? They're going to steal our freight. No, I'm trying to save our yeah. economy. Really? Let's let's all, let's all those all those all those people need to do is take a look at one load board for one day. There is such a plethora of. Of reasonably decent paying freight moving he, anywhere and everywhere. Here's the problem. They, they do look at that and they go, oh my God, look at how the rates are going down. We'll never survive. And they're right. They probably won't because they've, they've never really faced this and they're not really running it like a business. No. So for me, no, well, honestly, I mean, as, as, as unpopular as this statement's going to be, I'd rather have good Canadian owner operators down here running our freight than lousy American carriers. Well, that, that, I think that probably goes for anywhere in the world, doesn't it? Yeah. I'd rather yeah, have it, 10 good stickers than 100 morons. Exactly. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, it, it's one thing to say, well, we need to protect our freight. And I, you know what? Then step up and run it like a business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that hard. You know what you say on your show? The hard, work, the, hard, the hard work means go and grease your truck yourself. Do a few repairs yourself. Keep an eye. Like, if you ever saw my scribbler, at the end of every day, I have a, you know, like the old scribblers that we used to use in school. Like yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I write down exactly what I generated today, yep. what my cost per mile or what my revenue per mile is, even though my revenue per mile is highly skewed because I do such short mileage. But, but, it's it's consistent for me, yep. right? There you go. And, and I, I know what my I know my fuel cost is. I, I, you know, there's not big margins in what I do, but there is margin. There, there's margins, and, and, and you know, we yeah. anybody who's owned a truck for more than ten years uh, knows how to deal with smaller margins. And and if they've made it this long, they probably remember how to do it. But you're right; it, it's not that hard. I'm going to cut you loose. I want to grab a couple more calls here before we got to wrap this up. I'm sure we're going to be talking an awful lot more about this for quite some time. Uh, let's go to Iowa. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What's on uh, your mind can today? I make a couple comments before we talk about what I want to talk about. Absolutely. I just want to say a big thank you to Angie and your team for calling me for this call because I can't call you for some reason. Ah, well, good. Glad they made that work. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out somehow. It's, it's on my end. Okay. Uh, and, and listening to the calls while I was on hold was there one of the one gentleman, uh, was talking about is it was it his yogurt that wasn't fermenting properly. Now vegetables. Vegetables. Okay. Uh, something I read in a fermenting uh, forum somewhere, make sure you do not, and this is a, something for everybody, make sure you do not wash your your container that you're going to ferment in with any kind of antibacterial soap or uh, wipes or anything because that residue can, be, can stay on the jar and possibly kill your ferment. Good point. Good point. In fact, Look around your house and find all that stuff that says antibacterial sanitizing and just throw that crap out. Yeah, we, we use it. I, I, 
use the wipes only because they are excellent excellent for getting grease off of your hands if you, uh, like when you're, you're uh, pulling your fifth wheel pin well, you get some grease on your hands for, hold on, hold on. And, and it'll take grease hold, hold on I know it, there's other stuff yeah stuff. it doesn't need to be antibacterial to do that I buy these giant tubs there's, at the auto parts store of big wet yeah. towels with a scrubby side to them and they clean your hands true, better than true. anything and they're not antibacterial and I'm going to 100% agree with you on that after I said that statement. It's just they're so cheap and easy to get. And I know. And the container is small, and it sits in my truck in the perfect little spot. There you go. All right. And, and it's like maybe once a month I use them. And, oh, no big but deal anyhow. then. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, that, 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 that's something that, that to maybe think about when they're fermenting. Point. Make yep. sure you're not using any antibacterial. Just use a plain soap light scrub you're good to go good point yep. uh and the general the gentleman with the daughter i think it was the same gentleman with the daughter that has mono right now yeah uh there's really nothing you can do about it because it almost destroyed my life last year i had it uh i had it when i was 18 in high school and i just had it last year in september and the second time around is way worse than the first not to scare him but there's nothing that can be done about it sleep it off relax, stay stressed as low as stress as possible. And when you're that young, I don't, I don't know how old she was. Uh, she'll be fine. Just, yeah, there, it, there are later some, in life. Um, there is some nutritional support yeah, that sure. can help with some energy levels, but you're right. You just kind of got to work through it. Yeah. But like I said, it, and I have a very good doctor, uh, he is a uh, very natural path style, but he's a family medicine doctor. He's a DO. So he deals with both. And, but if you tell him you're kind of in the natural stuff, he, he will stay away from medication unless that's the last thing you yeah. have. And he's like, I got really nothing for you. Here's a list of supplements. I think it was from the Cresser Institute that you could take that may help you. But we can't do nothing. And it was four months of literal hell for me. It, we actually built our protocol from from Cresser's list as well. Okay. All right. But as an adult, it sucked. But as a child, I don't remember any problems with it. I slept for a couple of days, and I was right right going back back at it. Yep. Uh, but yep. it, 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 it took from uh, about January of this year before I finally felt normal yeah. because of it. Yep. And it was horrid. It was horrid. I, I was kind of borderline suicidal because of it. I'll bet. I'll bet. It can be and pretty rough, yeah. That lead, and that leads me up to what I wanted to talk to you about is during that time frame last year, I went back on Effexor. I had weaned myself off of it after I started an NDK paleo keto diet lifestyle that you got me started on back in 2018. And... uh got myself off of it, had a couple, you know, fallen off the wagon over the years and got right back, dusted myself off, got back on it. Uh, but that mono just knocked me out. And that was the only thing my doctor and I could figure out. So I, like I said, I was borderline suicidal and we went, I went back on to, I went on, onto a high dose and it finally mellowed me back out after a couple months. Well, I'm working on getting back off of it. Okay. And that's why I asked you yesterday about, about Lisa's, how, what was your guys's? Cause I remember the first time I got off of it, it's, 
definitely not a month. I just want to make sure anybody listening, you're not going to get off of an SSRI in a month unless you're an animal. Yeah, you'll suffer a lot. Maybe, maybe Lisa did. Um, What's that? No, we we really took our time, and I can't remember the... The first time, I want to say it took me about six months to get from uh, 150 down to minimal to none. Because they're they're in, uh, basically, you start, lowest dose is 37 and a half, 75, 150, and then I've been up as high as uh, 225 over the years. Wow. Yeah, and that's a lot. I want to say it took me about, about about six months to get off of it the first time. And I was just curious if there was anything that you guys had done special because of the the uh, nutritional aspect of, of that you guys, that you do. Well, when. And, well, you said it was multiple years ago. It, it was. But it was. I just wanted anybody to know it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take more than just 30 days because you, you're looking at 30 days just if say you're on a 150, it's going to take you 30 days just to get down to a 75. Correct. And this is for me. So it could be different for anybody else, but safely, even with your doctor, it's going to take you about a month to get down to a 75. And you're going to want to stay on that 75 for a month at least, and then start yourself down to the 37 and a half and, and then keep going down from there. And then like you said, split dose until you get to the point because for me I had brain zaps is what I called it I could hear my brain the the, the transmitters in my brain sending signals and I could hear my eyes moving yeah there seems to be this other thing where people will say they feel whole body electrical shocks yeah yep yeah that seems mine mine was generally uh concentrated on my brain but i could i could feel them i could hear them uh it's it's horror it's a horror detox it is it is i agree i agree so if you want to get off suck them up i do have a suggestion for you for a possible protocol um yeah let me say this first if you're listening to this it, this is serious. This is a real thing. You can read about it. It's very consistent across the board. Uh, it's a rough detox getting off these things. So think very, yes, very, very long and hard before you ever get on them. And before you do, I would yep. highly recommend you read anything by Kelly Brogan. She covers this issue pretty extensively yep. in her book. Yep. Yep. I read it. That, that, that's the one it's, it's more uh, focused towards women than men, but it has very good information. Am I correct on that? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Absolutely. She, she, yeah, yeah. she specializes in women, but honestly, it's not any different when it comes to SSRIs. Women, men, doesn't matter. No, no They're, they're the not. same. And so her information on SSRIs is, is one of the best I've read. Right. Because uh, uh, Michael and I, when, we, when he was doing one-on-ones, talked about it. Because I kind of hit a stall on weight loss. He's like, "Yeah, it's probably that that affects her." Absolutely. But you know, you just don't get off of effects her like you do, say, a statin just oh, overnight. No, no. It, not it's, even right. It's 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 a long-term process. My I I have taken the, the receptor detox. For, for a month and the, the hormone. I did that when I was sick last year just to kind of see if it would help. And I want to say it did help a little bit. It took the edge off. 
for a person wanting to detox, I would say at least a 90-day, and I'm going to do a 90-day, uh, probably, I'm, I'm probably two or three months away from it still. I just went down to 75. I'm going to wait until I get down and, and just experiment with myself. I've, I've done the cardio miracle. I'm going to do that for 90 days just for the extra nutrients, anything that that stuff has zapped out of me along with quitting smoking. And those are two things I've seen from talking to people on the group, listening to, to the show. Those three things in conjunction with, with the fat, fat digestion and eliminating all sugars because sugar, your, your mental state, you know, starts in your gut. And we want to get rid of those bacteria. So eliminate all sugars, I think, would help, would help somebody if they're listening and wanted to get off of an SSRI. I'll tell you what the most powerful intervention will be, and that is doing all four of the stress protocols I created at least four yep. times a week. Five would be better. Six would maybe only take one day off from them if you can, but those will help tremendously. I agree. I was doing Wim Hof when we first started talking about it and uh, got away from it, and I'm having a hard time getting back to it. I I play around back and forth with the cold showers, and the problem for me on the cold showers is not the cold water. It's the fact that I want to get in the shower, wash off, get rinsed off, and I'm out. And some, and I, and it's cold, you know, in, in Iowa in the winter time. We were down in the negative twenties, which you know, some guys that are up in the Northwest and the in the Canadian, their Canadian area, they're they're in the negative fifties. I understand that's cold, but yeah, I like a warm shower. It relaxes me, makes me feel better. I have a problem of standing in the shower for an extra two or three minutes with the cold water on, which I do now again try to just start my shower cold well either either way well, I, yeah, I mean but, if, if you spend the extra yeah. two or three minutes uh you know let's think about the investment there two or three minutes for significant Absolutely. better outcomes. yeah yeah I, I i'm not going to disagree with that it's just yeah. i'm in there I, i'm i'm in and out because i want to go you know I, i'm home every day and I, I have a long day i just want to take a shower i've eaten supper take a shower it's time to go to bed because 4 a.m. the alarm clock goes back off. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. it it's not no, easy. I'm, I'm struggling to, to get back yep. into all of them myself. So, hey, I'm going to cut you loose. I want to grab this last call, and I have got to get on with my day. We have confirmed tomorrow I'll be joined by uh, both John and Joel. We'll be doing another episode of Trucking Technology and Efficiency, so we will... Look forward to that. I'm going to go to Florida now. Matt, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Uh, You were talking with Murray there, and uh, I'll throw a wild idea out there. He said he hauls a flatbed down to Central California. Yeah. Getting back to Canada. I don't personally know anybody. I've just seen these on the road. But... In Wisconsin, there's a couple of guys that'll haul non-temperature sensitive, like cheeses and butters. You know, they got a roll tight or Conestoga, whatever brand you want to talk about. Insulated tarp with a reefer on the front of their flatbed. Really? Help that out and flatbed straight back. Wow. Now, 
don't know California produce that well. I've never been that involved in it, but right. a lot of your vegetables are going to be more temperature sensitive. Huh. So I don't know what to apply there, I, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wild idea, something to think about. You know, I, I like those kind of thought processes. That that idea might not always work, but it leads to another one. So, uh, yeah, it would be an interesting thing to explore. Yeah, you know, obviously because he's in that Canadian market where he can only go straight back. So right. That's, yeah, that's the, as soon as I started talking a about a that. triangle, that dawned on me that that's uh, it's a lot more restrictive for yep. him. Yep. So and you were also talking about how people that haven't run a business very long are probably going to be in a in a tight position. Yeah, and I've always loved you know conversations with people that want to start a business and they want to talk about all the things that they would enjoy about the job, but nothing about the business. They never want to talk about the business. <laughs> right. They want to talk about the job side of it. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I love both sides, but yeah, I, I love the business side. Everything about the business is how do we generate more profit? We care less about the total revenue. I only care about the profit. Exactly. Just because a load pays 30 cents more a mile... If the expenses are thirty cents more a mile, what's the point? Exactly. Yeah. Why bother? So I sent you my business report for first quarter. All right. And, uh, hey. we're just continuing right along with last year. It's, you know, things things are great. Let me take a look. I did add a little note in there on the fuel side. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so. Wow. My fuel bar so for the year is only $0.45 cents a mile. Is it? And it's only just under 18% of your revenue. That's incredible. Yep. That's now, a, yeah. just in full disclosure, you know, I, <laughs> I do everything to the extreme. Um, I run a dedicated run so I can plan my fuel purchasing, you know, well in advance. And I also put extra fuel tanks on my trailer so I can buy in the states that are really good deals and, and uh, you know, run all week with only buying fuel. Basically, I buy all my fuel in Illinois. I got it. Yep. Which just so happens to be the highest tax state also that I run in. Correct. So I get big refunds on IFTA. So this number includes my refund. Okay. Got it. Which, yeah, that's. I mean, just just to be clear to people, it does, it really doesn't mean much because and if the refund isn't what we're looking for, we're looking for the cheapest fuel price. Right, but you know when you've done this enough that usually when you're buying your fuel correctly, you do end up with refunds because you tend to buy in the higher tax states because they have to discount their fuel more aggressively to get people to buy it. And, yeah, right now I run down to Georgia, and Georgia is one of the states that has suspended their fuel tax. So now they're equal with Oregon, a zero. Guess what the most expensive state to buy fuel in my lane is? The state of Georgia, where they suspended their tax, but most of the nations, they're just keeping that for themselves. 
So I mean, I'm sure they come down a few cents, but yeah, you're right. The they they the the retailers then can say, "Oh, look, we don't have to charge and collect the tax." And you've got high fuel price states around them like Florida, and they can crank up their price. This was a gift to the fuel retailers, not to the owner-operators. The owner-operators don't benefit. In fact, the owner-operators will end up getting hurt because most of them don't understand this. They'll keep buying in Georgia not knowing that they're not getting any credit tax or credit for the tax and they'll have to make it up at the end of the quarter yeah they're gonna have a huge tax bill yeah and they won't expect it because they don't understand this they don't realize they're paying way too much for their fuel when they buy in that state and then they're going to get another whammy at the end of the quarter so here we go again government making it sound like they're doing something good for the owner-operator of the trucking industry, this only benefits the fuel retailers. Yeah. Well, yeah, this, I guess, a touch into politics that I didn't mean to, but this is, to me, the, the Republicans trying to be socialists now, that they're yeah. they're doing away with the tax, so they're not yeah. going to be able to fix the roads, and it's, it's all for political votes. That's the only reason. Yep, because it looks good. It, and it's not. It's the opposite. Yep. This, is, this is what we mean by the law of unintended consequences. You think what you're doing makes sense and it's helping this group, and it's not. It's hurting them. Yep. So uh, back to the, the business report there. My, my gross revenue is, is actually down so far for first quarter, but that is because I got paid early from one of my customers in December. So basically in January, I got no revenue from one side of my, my haul. Got it. So my revenue is two fifty six, but just adding up last week, I'm at three Oh six all miles. Wow. That number should be climbing for quite a while yet. And I'm basically, as you were talking earlier on contract freight. So, I haven't seen any dip in rates yet, and hopefully won't for for many months. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. That would be really nice. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. uh, it's definitely yeah, an interesting time. We would love to brag about is the is the net revenue, and I am keeping a dollar eighty five a mile, <laughs> which is just. I, that that's so far above the norm of what we've been working with for years and years, and I just don't. And, and most people are coming nowhere near achieving that. You've achieved it because you've done all those things over the years to get there. But what what a lot of these people don't realize is how ugly this could get. Yeah, and the thing is. is you know, reading this stuff online, and I, I know exactly one of the, the things you're talking about earlier, and it's we're just getting back to normal here. We're, we're not it's, even talking about low rate yet. We're talking about normal rate. If, we're not down to normal yet. You're right. If we were to wipe out the last yeah. three or four years, we'd be looking at these rates and, and celebrating them because they're still that strong. 
Yeah, we're just starting to cross the line as to where we were at a year ago. Right. And that was a high rate. Exactly. Yeah, and and we can go back a couple years, and these were still good, strong rates. We're we're not even approaching normal in most lanes yet. Yep. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, not that I want anybody to be in a bad position, but if you've made decisions on the outpriced market of buying equipment, and you haven't focused on a business and your expenses and fuel economy, you, you've got to start doing a lot of thinking really fast. Well, and here's the thing. You know, because rates have been so high, look, and I was encouraging it because it was the right thing to do. When rates were that high and fuel price was that low, hell yeah, go faster, run harder, go make the money while you can. But if you've waited till now to focus on fuel economy, you're not going to see the results of that effort for three to six months, even if you're really aggressive at it. You don't turn something like this around overnight. You don't go from five and a half miles to the gallon to nine and a half in 30 days. It's just not going to happen. And if you wanted to, you'd have to spend an awful lot of money. And they're not going to have it. They're going to wait till it's too late. They're going to realize fuel is killing them, and they're not going to have any money to be able to fix it. At that point, the best thing I can tell you, or you shouldn't even wait till then, slow down to 55. Just get used to it. Yeah, that's, well, it, it helps with maintenance, too. I mean, it exactly. helps on many things. Right, yeah. Fuel, fuel, obviously, is the biggest one. But, but yeah, and I, like you say, the focus on the, the dollar numbers, too. Now, granted, again, this is my dedicated lane and my setup that I've worked myself into over years. But even this week, right now, the uh, fuel price holds stable till Friday when I fill up again. But I should be at either 52 or 53 cents a mile for my fuel for the week. Yeah. Yep. I don't think there's too many people anywhere near that right now. Not with these kind of prices. No, nope. I've heard of people. I know a guy last year for the year, his fuel cost was 80 some cents a mile. Uh, last year. The, the last time. Now, granted, he runs California, which is going to be higher. But I, For the last couple of weeks, I've just been running around short stuff, so I haven't really put a whole lot of fuel in. But at one point, I calculated my own fuel cost. I was over a dollar a mile. Yeah. And I have no revenue to offset it. Not hard. Yeah, right. And I, I don't have I, I don't have any direct revenue to offset it. Fuel to me is just a pure business expense. I'm not getting a surcharge, I'm not getting paid to drive. It's just a it's a it's an expense of me doing business and right now that expense is pretty damn extreme. All right, Matt, I'm gonna Got you loose. I'm going to wrap this up. I got to get on with my day. A couple things real quick. Um, We've got some excellent sales going on in the store. If you haven't tried the uh, our air cheese yet, you should really try that. Pretty amazing stuff. Very, very clean. It's a great snack option. Uh, I think we're offering like 20% off on that. I know Lisa's been working on uh, all kinds of great stuff. We're getting new products into the store. 
Um, we'll be moving those into the store over the next couple weeks or 30 days or so. Excited about that. Uh, we'll let you know what those are. But Lisa's found some awesome um, food products. We are going to become your one-stop shop for food on the road. With that, I'm going to wrap it up. We will see you back here tomorrow for Trucking Technology and Efficiency. Joel Morrow and John Walco will be joining me. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.